Speaking of Travel is brought to you by the Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. And when you fly home, you're home. Plan your next trip at flyavl.com. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Visit them at appalachianrealty.com. Prestige Subaru, outfitting Western North Carolina for adventure with the 2019 Crosstrek. Find out how to make it yours at PrestigeSubaru.com. Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park. Experience the best of the mountains in one place. Begin your trip at ChimneyRockPark.com. And Leapfrog Tours, offering tours and transportation so you can enjoy the beauty, adventure, and culture of Western North Carolina. Find out more at LeapfrogTours.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC. Now be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and be sure to sign up for the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. You'll receive the latest travel news and travel tips, and we've got a big trip planned. I want you to make sure that you're aware of that so you can sign up. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this lately because there's just so much going on uh, all over the world. And when you think about it, so much of what happens around us or to us happens rather by chance. You may initiate actions, but what follows from them depends Upon many factors, sometimes situations arise on their own, such as an accident or a chance meeting, or in the case of my guest, when Murray Sidlin, then on the faculty of the University of Minnesota, happened upon a book entitled Music in Terezin, 1941-1945. Murray Sidlin is the creator and conductor of the Defiant Requiem, Verde at Terezin. He is an internationally recognized conductor, teacher, lecturer, and is the founder and president of the Defiant Requiem Foundation. And I'm so happy and honored to have Murray on the show today. Welcome to the show, Murray, and thank you so much for being here. Well, you're kind to invite me, Marilyn. Thank you so much. So, Murray, you know, as I was saying in the intro, so much happens by chance. We, you know, random acts just kind of happened. And for you, happening on this book was kind of a major shift in your in your world. Tell us a little bit about how that unfolded. Well, I think the shift came after I sort of recognized what had happened. But you're absolutely right. When, when something of a kind of startling nature comes upon you, uh, we usually deal with it at the time and process it and wonder about it. But I think it takes time for you to realize, you know, that maybe there is something here that um, is uh, very powerful and uh, very magnetic, almost like a kind of a calling. I, I don't know what you would call it, but something that attracts you in a, in a direction you haven't gone. 
And that's what happened to me. I was um, walking down the street in uh, Minneapolis. It's a beautiful spring, sunny afternoon in April. And the uh, the cold weather had only gone away and the snow had only cleared by a couple of weeks. So it was a pleasure to be outdoors. And I was also preparing to move from Minneapolis to Portland, Oregon for a new position. So I came across in my walk in the uptown area, I came across a, a bookstore that I guess I had not noticed before. And it was called Bryn Mawr Books, named after the college. And out in front, there was this table you know, piled high with uh, like a big pyramid of uh, used books they were trying to get rid of. So I, just like you, and, and I'm sure many of your listeners cannot pass by a uh, a book pile like that when I know that for a buck and a half I can buy a first edition Shakespeare if I just, you know, look long and hard enough. So um, there was this book sticking out about two-thirds of the way up or maybe halfway up. And it was almost like a beckoning. It was almost like a hand saying, hey, try this one. So I walked over and uh, started to pull the book out. And I began to think, you know, in a kind of impish sort of way, can I get that book out without collapsing the whole pile? And uh, I looked at my watch because I wanted to be sure that if the pile collapsed, as I was sure it was going to, I had enough time to pick up all the books and move on with my walk. So I pulled a little bit, pulled a little bit. So far, everything was fine. But now I reached the point of no return. Either I leave it or I just pull the whole thing out and see what happens. And I did that, and the pile remained intact. That The hole was in the center, but you know somehow it was a masterpiece of, uh, of architectural uh, uh, certainty. So uh, the book pile did not come down. And I opened the book, and it was called Music at Terezin. Uh And I had no idea for the moment, Terezin, Terezin. Ah, then it struck me. Terezin was the name of one of the Nazi concentration camps in Central Europe, but I had forgotten where. And uh, the book told me immediately that it was in the uh, former Czechoslovakia. And it looked, according to the map, that maybe it was only about, oh, 40 miles or so, maybe 35 miles from Prague, the major city. So I'm thinking, Terezin, Terezin, what do I know about Terezin? Well, as I said, I knew it was a concentration camp. But I also thought two things. One, I had learned somewhere that it was a way station. It was where prisoners were held before being sent on to uh, either work camps or, in I think, in most cases, the death camps, and in most cases, Auschwitz-Birkenau, the, the, the deadliest of the death camps. So there was that. And then I recalled somewhere that wasn't it a, um, a concentration camp that was uh, uh, made up of a lot of... Uh, performers and artists and scholars and creative people. Uh, wasn't it uh, a kind of a, uh, a place where the Nazis, uh, uh, a show place for the Nazis of how well and how benevolently they were treating their prisoners, or in this case, not prisoners, people who had been relocated. I think that was the euphemism they used. So um, I opened the book. 
and looked at the table of contents, and it was a it was a pile of names. Okay, so now I know the book told us about who was that terrazine, and then a quick um, scan saw that it was a matter of what we knew about these people prior to their imprisonment. What did we know about them during their imprisonment in terrazine? How did they contribute to the musical life of? of uh, Terry Zine. Now that in itself was a revelation that there was a musical life and a concentration camp. Okay. I continued on. And then if any of them had survived, what do we know about their uh, professions uh, and professional uh, work uh, after, after the war? So um, shall I continue? Yes. Okay. So I, decided, okay, let's uh, let's just open the book randomly, and I did. And I opened to a chapter, a very short chapter, about three pages, entitled Raphael Schechter. And it was a name I did not know. Uh, and I stood on the street there and just read the, the three pages. It told me that he uh, was born in uh, Bucharest, Romania. Uh, he excelled in music, uh, came to study at, in, the, in the Czech city of Birno, which is the second largest city in the country, where there's a great conservatory of music, even today. Uh, okay, he graduated with honors in piano and composition and conducting, like they all did. That, that's what they all studied. And then he went to Prague and got a job in a small opera company. That led to larger opera company, and they, the Czech opera started taking a look at him, giving him some uh, productions to conduct, and it looked like he was a comer, that they, they really were impressed with his uh, musical abilities, and that um, no doubt he was uh, on target for a great career uh, there and in other places in Europe. But war breaks out, and the Jews were ostracized, and so they could not, uh, he could not uh, continue his career. So it said at the last part of this chapter that he put together a volunteer choir of 150 volunteer singers and taught them a composition by the great Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi. Now, Verdi we know from Aida and La Traviata and Rigoletto and all these magnificent operas. I mean, really, truly one of the most famous opera composers ever, and certainly one of the great Italian composers uh, revered in in music history. Well, hold right there, Murray, because we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, let's pick up right here with Verde so we can learn more about him. With pleasure. All right. I'm here today talking with Murray Sidlin. We will be right back. If you're looking for a home in Asheville and Western North Carolina, Appalachian Realty Associates is a refreshing alternative to the big box franchise companies, and they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Appalachian Realty, a guiding force in the Asheville real estate market since 1979. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown Asheville. 
With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Leave ordinary behind with a visit to Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park. Surround yourself with breathtaking views of Lake Lure and the Hickory Nut Gorge while enjoying six hiking trails, rock climbing with Fox Mountain Guide instructors, and Animal Discovery Den, unique events, and more. Whether you're new to hiking or a seasoned pro, there's something for everyone at The Rock. To plan your next Chimney Rock adventure, visit ChimneyRockPark.com to see an online trail map and a listing of the park's upcoming events. Hi, I'm Ann Smith with LeapFrog Tours. Whether you're a local or visiting Western North Carolina for the first time, LeapFrog Tours offers fun opportunities to explore the area from beer to art and everything in between. We offer tours with set itineraries, custom excursions, and transportation services all over the area. We can help you explore, enjoy, and experience the beauty and culture of Western North Carolina. Learn more at LeapFrogTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. I'm your host, and I'm here today talking with Murray Sidlin. Uh, Murray is a creator and conductor of the Defiant Requiem Verde at Terrazine. And Murray, what a wonderful story as we had started out in the show talking about just these random events and how this book uh, by chance uh, landed in your hands and and you're a conductor I mean in, in uh, at that time you were on the faculty at the University of Minnesota were you teaching music what was your background just briefly yeah I was teaching conducting and I was doing a lot of conducting I was uh uh, on staff at the uh, San Diego Symphony and uh, doing a lot of what we call guest conducting. That's where you go and you conduct orchestras where you have all the fun and none of the problems with the board of directors. You just go make music and hop the next plane out of there. That was, you know, a wonderful life being a guest conductor. But at the University of Minnesota, I was teaching conducting and running a conducting uh, training program um, along with the uh, uh, tied into the uh, major professional organizations uh, in the community, the Minnesota Orchestra, the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, a couple of the choirs, and a contemporary ensemble. I had a great job. I loved Minneapolis. I had no plans of leaving, uh, except that uh, my best friend in the whole world, who was uh, the chief conductor at the Oregon Symphony in Portland, um, needed a number two guy, and uh, I've never been able to say no to him. So I was on my way to Portland, Oregon. So the irony of pulling this book out and, and in such great um, you know, magic almost at the stack didn't fall down, here it is in your hand, and it's all about music, and it's all about uh, 
what had happened during the war and you're recognizing all this. So this, uh, as you were saying, that the uh, Raphael was uh, uh, the conductor here and or he was teaching them. Uh, Verde, were you familiar with that piece already? Oh, yes, sure. The Verde Requiem is truly one of the most well-known, what we call oratorios, that is, you know, a, a composition sung and played, and uh, sung to a text, and most often a religious text. In this case, it was the Requiem Mass. That's how the title Defiant Requiem. You know what defiance is, and you know what a requiem is, uh, which is, you know, part of the uh, a, a great, deeply, deeply held part of the Catholic liturgy. And so this was something that was really quite astounding, astounding, because he put together a volunteer choir of 150 people at this concentration camp. I mean, a concentration camp, you know, no food, no medical attention, no protection from the elements, living in fear and terror 24 hours a day, a concentration camp. And yet, this concentration camp at this particular point, when they had the, uh, the, the third commandant who allowed arts and humanities to be experienced, actually, turns out, flourished is the word I would use. They used experienced. So there was a lot going on in lectures and in, in composition. They had a lot of composers of new music. There was drama. There was, there was artistic uh, exhibits. It was a hotbed of cultural activity that sprang up in the camp. And one of the things that took place was a, uh, an intention by Raphael Schechter to teach his volunteer choir of 150 singers, people who were cold, who, many of whom were ill, all of whom were hungry and uh, afraid and uh, worried for not only themselves but their families. Where's my wife? Where's my husband? Anybody seen my children? That sort of thing. It was a horrible place. And he decided to teach them for performing, for performing, preparation for performing, the Requiem Mass composed by Giuseppe Verdi, the Verdi Requiem, which is truly one of the most famous compositions. Yeah, so I I had conducted it many times before uh, this experience of uh, of coming in contact with the Terrazin intention of Raphael Schechter to present uh, the Requiem of Verdi in in performance at Verdi. So if you can imagine, it had a lot of controversy surrounded. I mean, after all, they're all in prison for being Jewish. And this guy is teaching his choir, his volunteer choir, a requiem mass. What's wrong with this picture is what was going through my mind. Also, I want to say that the requiem of Verdi is truly in an enormously difficult work to learn especially for people who, first of all, may not read music. These were volunteers, and nobody had, a, had the music. He had to teach it by rote, which, of course, means that he had to pound out notes and get them to sing it back to him, and, and that would be in four parts or five parts or six parts in certain cases. It, was a te- it is a terribly difficult work. It's hard under normal, how shall I say, comfortable uh, circumstances with people for people who 
who sleep in a clean bed every night and who can call a doctor and buy as much food as they need and who have warm family life. But here in this place, they were doing the, the Verdi Requiem, the same notes that everybody else sings, but under the most adverse conditions we could possibly imagine. This was a Nazi concentration camp. Well, I heard a, a quote on the uh, Defiant Requiem documentary, which we'll talk about as well, uh, where one of the survivors said, if people are robbed of freedom, they want to be creative, and they will. That seems to be what was happening here, right? Yes. In addition to that, most of these people hadn't worked since 1939 when the, when the uh, invasion came. When the Nazis came into Czechoslovakia, and, and that is, you know, not just Prague, but the whole country, uh, Jewish life shut down. Jews were not allowed to perform in the concert halls, so you couldn't play in the orchestras, you couldn't do solo recitals. You, you could not function in the way you had been trained and, and normally work. Uh, if, if you were an actor, you were tossed out of the theaters. If you were a professor at Charles University, you were excused. If you were a student and Jewish, you were excused. Jewish life had shut down. So all these creative people, the composers, for example, composers of new music, they couldn't get their music played. Uh, and uh, the artists, that is the visual artists, could not exhibit. As a matter of fact, Doctors were limited to, the Jewish doctors were limited to Jewish patients. Uh, Jewish dentists were limited to Jewish patients. Honestly, Jewish life had shut down. And so here they were in this place where many of their colleagues, they recognized from their interaction with them in, uh, in, in Prague and the other cities. Uh, I mean, they knew the, the, the composers knew the other composers, the, the performers knew the performers, the actors knew the, the playwrights and the actors. And so somehow when the third commandant allowed the creative activity to uh, come above board, to come out of the, uh, the, the hidden uh, basements, then this cultural life exploded in Terezin. And ultimately, by the time Terezin was limited, there had been 2,400 lectures by 530 prisoners. There were over 1,000 concerts. Concerts, that means choral concerts. It means chamber music for, for a small group of instrumentalists. New music, new music, faith in the future, by composers writing new music. There were 20 composers at work. And uh, there was even a small jazz band in the ghetto called the Ghetto Swingers. And it was led by a guy named Martin Roman, who had a pretty good career in jazz after the war. And so when I say exploded, I mean every night there were at least two, maybe sometimes three events. They had to share the piano and the preparations for performing. Um, it was uh, an, ex an extraordinary. The people who experienced it, uh, one woman in particular who was a pianist in the camp by the name of Edith Steiner Krauss, told me that she was reminded of why she became a musician, because she could play recitals every day 
for 10 people, for 5 people, for 40 people, for 50 people, as many as who would, would be able to attend, and as often as she could actually get to use the piano that had to be shared. Well, hold that thought. Hold that thought, Murray. When we come back, I want to hear more about her. I want to, I, I'm just in awe because going back, you pull out this book. Now you are, you know, this history. It's, it's just all kind of magic, right? <laughs> well, I'm deeply inside and the, the gates sh- clanged shut behind me. I had no you choice bet. but to go forward. All right, Murray. This is Marilyn Ball. We'll be right back. Explore one of Western North Carolina's most iconic places at Chimney Rock State Park. Six hiking trails and animal discovery den. Rock climbing with instructors from Fox Mountain Guides, guided hikes, and more. Plan your adventure at ChimneyRockPark.com. Whether you're looking for a downtown Asheville loft, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away, starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Hi, I'm Ann Smith with LeapFrog Tours. We love showcasing Western North Carolina, where there's a little something for everyone. You can sip your way through the extensive craft beer scene, see elk in their natural habitat, learn about the benefits of hemp and CBD at a sustainable farm, go on a history lesson along the French Broad River, and those are just a few examples of our fun tours. Learn more about our tour and transportation services at leapfrogtours.com. Spring has finally sprung, and with our backyard in full bloom, now is the time to get out and find adventure wherever it may lead. From the mountains to the rivers and all the turf in between, we are no less than blessed with our beautiful backyard right here in western North Carolina. There's a will, there's a way, and for the way we have the wheels to take you wherever you wish to wander. Adventure is waiting, and the choice is yours. Find your adventure vehicle at PrestigeSubaru.com. Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road in Asheville. And welcome to Subiville. Visit Chimney Rock State Park once and you'll want to come back for more. Get an annual pass for unlimited visits to the park for a year, exclusive events and special deals at the park shops and restaurants, and more. Become an annual pass holder at ChimneyRockPark.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, your host, and I'm here today with Murray Sidlin, the creator and conductor of the Defiant Requiem Verdi at Terrazine. And Murray, you were telling us, um, we were talking about uh, the creative nature of what was going on here in this camp and how uh, the people who had been like you said, just basically cut off for so long were daily uh, being creative. How did that kind of progress with 
Raphael being able to teach them note by note, you said, uh, this whole requiem. Yeah, well, he first of all, he got people to volunteer to sing. I mean, that to me was the great shocker. Can I back up for a second, Marilyn? And, of and course. Mention that when I learned that he had put together, or it was said in this book that I found, that he put together a volunteer choir of 150 people and taught them Verdi's Requiem by rote, and they gave 16 performances between October 43 and June 44. You know what my first reaction was? My first reaction was nonsense. I don't believe it. Because I, as I said before, I know how hard it is to put together Verdi's Requiem under optimum conditions. Conditions of, you know, where people are well-fed and healthy and, uh, and they have choices in life. You know, I'm in my car. Where do I want to go? I can get warm. I can get cool. All of those things that we just sort of live with. But this is a concentration camp, and you've got no amenities. In fact, you know, you're in danger. You're in danger of, of dying from malnutrition. That was the big killer. Typhus was also a big killer. And no protection. And if you should look at some Nazi the wrong way, you could be shot with impunity for that person. I mean, this was this was a place of terror. They lived, they lived in chaos and insanity. And here they are in a choir learning the Verdi Requiem. I don't think so. So I started out to prove this false, to be honest with you. Because I was very afraid of erroneous information about the Holocaust. You know, Holocaust deniers are out there. The people who, who, the historic revisionists, they're out there. We know about them. I mean, there are books written about them, and there are episodes about them all the time. So, therefore, either one way or the other, I had to somehow prove that this actually did happen, or I've got to be to make some sort of contribution to refute this information. And so the first thing to do was try to find people who were there, who actually sang in the choir. I'll spare you the details, but through a kind of very interesting process of, of finding a Holocaust website where I could say I'm interested in finding people who knew Raphael Schechter, who sang in the choir, members of his family, people in the audience. If you are any of these people, contact me. And so a message comes back from the, the last part of the address was IL, so I knew it was Israel. And the, and the message was very simple. What do you want them for? That's all it was. And I wrote back and I said, well, you know, I, I'm going to come clean. I don't know. But if this is true, this guy Schechter may be something of a hero. He may be something of a hero for choosing to do a great work of art that would be inspiring to the performers and the audiences, even though the content of the work seems to be rooted, even to them, in the Catholic liturgy. Something is screwy about this whole thing. But if he didn't do it, I need to find that out, too. So that's why I was looking. So I pressed send in my query, and there was no answer for quite some time. And then I get a response from Schechter's niece, who was living in Jerusalem. And her mother was Schechter's sister, also a survivor of, of Auschwitz. Schechter did not survive, by the way. So the question came up. I asked 
you know, did this happen? Are you aware of anybody who's saying, yes, it did happen. He's quite well known for having done this. And you might try to find somebody in the camp who was his bunkmate. And uh, we have no idea if he's still alive, not my mother, not myself, she said. But at the same time, his name was Kraza, K-R-A-S-A, with initial E, we think. And we have no idea if he lived, number one. And if he did, we have no idea where he would be, except that he was a trained cook. My mother remembers that Rafi has said that to her. He was a trained cook, and he had relatives in the catering business in Boston, apparently. So, okay, I tried Area 617 in Boston. I said, do you have a Kraza, possibly initial E, in the Boston area? And the operator said, yeah, we have an Edgar in Newton, Mass. So I took the name, I called up, and sure enough, it was Schechter's roommate for two and a half years, Edgar Kraza, living in Newton, Mass., I went to see him a few days later. I flew from Portland to uh, to uh, Portland, Oregon, to Boston, and spent uh, the better part of six hours with him and his wife. And the story began to come out. And not only their story, but they put me on the phone to two other people who sang in the choir and one who was in the audience. And that's how the story began. Now I was hooked. I was hooked that the Verdi Requiem played a major part of the lives of people who were looking for inspiration, spiritual, intellectual, and the experience of harmony that is working together in a place that was about as disharmonious as it could possibly be. A place where, how shall I say, um, uh, chaos and insanity were replaced for these people by the beauty of great music and the harmonious nature of working together. This is where their inspiration came from. And I think having talked to, talked to many of them over a period of several years and gotten to know them well, I think that the Verdi Requiem may have saved their, some of their lives just by the inspiration it gave them. Um, were they shouting at the Nazis through the Verdi Requiem? Maybe some of them were. You know, there's this extraordinary line in the Mass itself in Latin, it's quid quid latet aparebit nil in nultum remenebit. Whatever is hidden shall become evident, and nothing shall remain unavenged. Now, if you're a Catholic, this is the, about the relationship between you and God. Whatever is hidden shall become evident. God will know. Nothing shall remain unavenged. God will take care of, 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 of your indiscretions. But if you're a prisoner in the camp, whatever is hidden shall become evident. That's you singing to the Nazis. Nothing shall remain unavenged also to the Nazis. You'll get yours, and the time is near. And so I think that that line may have been the great inspiration for doing the Verdi Requiem, other than the fact that Schechter loved the piece dearly and knew, and knew that there would be, uh, how shall I say, there would be spiritual inspiration, there would be intellectual inspiration, and humane inspiration of 150 people working together to sing a great work of art and presenting it to their colleagues and comrades in a concentration camp. 
for the experience of, uh, of, of, of beauty and faith in the future. That's what I think was going on. Well, Murray, I, I'm so moved by this whole story, and we can certainly go off on so many different levels of uh, what that, that inspiration being able to uplift them, but I'm sure it uplifted a lot of people there uh, every time they were able to hear it because you said they had uh, – how many concerts did they do there? They gave uh, 16 performances. 15 were for the general camp population after everybody got over the shock of the fact that there was going to be a Catholic mass performed in a place that everybody's in prison for being Jewish. Right. But, okay, so they got over that, and once it was performed, then it became the hottest ticket You I mean, to try to get it. There was no cost for the tickets, but, you know, only a certain number of seats, so you had to have a ticket. So, yes, there were 16 performances all together. But once I put together the story of the Verdi Requiem and inter, was able to interweave the story into a presentation of the Verdi Requiem, then the story became Defiant Requiem. The story of the Verdi Requiem as pertains to the Terezin concentration camp and the hundreds of singers that actually sang it, they certainly learned it, performed it, sang it, and inspired audiences uh, between um, uh, September uh, 43 and uh, the last performance was um, June 23, 1944, not only for uh, camp population, but also for the International Red Cross and some um, some major Nazi brass. Thank you, Murray. We will be back. This is Marilyn Ball. I'm here talking with Murray Sidlin. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a home in Asheville and Western North Carolina, Appalachian Realty Associates is a refreshing alternative to the big box franchise companies, and they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Appalachian Realty, a guiding force in the Asheville real estate market since 1979. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown Asheville. This is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. What happens when you're traveling and suddenly you have a minor medical issue? Are you prepared? If you're close to a drugstore, then maybe. But often in our travels, we may not have easily accessible ground transportation. We may be in a more remote area or even in a different country where navigating a solution could be difficult. That's why every traveler should prepare a small first aid kit. The essentials for the kit could include pain medications such as aspirin or ibuprofen, anti-allergy medications such as Benadryl, a few cold medicine capsules, um, stomach upset medication, basic first aid such as bandages, first aid cream, chapstick, Vaseline, antiseptic wipes, and maybe a pair of tweezers. Be sure to leave all the medications in their original packaging in case customs officials need to check your kit. Thanks for listening. Asheville Regional Airport, take the easy way out. Every story has its beginning, a starting point from which it wanders the long and winding road, weaving its way toward the final word. It is on this road where the greatest moments often lie, where memories are made, lessons are learned, and where experiences can be valued forever. 
Each story is a journey, blind to what lies ahead and conditioned by the road behind. While the destination may or may not be known, each journey is unique, unfolding in the moment and defined by those at the wheel. Regardless of where your journey takes you, it remains yours to create. Embrace the journey. Find your ride at PrestigeSubaru.com. Hi, I'm Ann Smith with LeapFrog Tours. Whether you're a local or visiting Western North Carolina for the first time, LeapFrog Tours offers fun opportunities to explore the area from beer to art and everything in between. We offer tours with set itineraries, custom excursions, and transportation services all over the area. We can help you explore, enjoy, and experience the beauty and culture of Western North Carolina. Learn more at LeapFrogTours.com. Explore one of Western North Carolina's most iconic places at Chimney Rock State Park. Six hiking trails and animal discovery den. Rock climbing with instructors from Fox Mountain Guides, guided hikes, and more. Plan your adventure at ChimneyRockPark.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. I'm here with Maestro Murray Sidlin. Murray, do people call you Maestro when you go out? Uh, behind my back. I uh, <laughs> behind your back. Well, so here we are. We've You went down this rabbit hole. You, uh, you took this. You've gotten to know the people now. You've You've really done your research. Tell us a little about when you started performing it, when you had this uh, bigger idea to to take this out to uh, everybody. Well, the the issue became, you know, how to tell the story. Now that I knew that it happened and that there were uh, 16 performances of the Verdi Requiem given at Terrazine, how to make this uh, available. I mean, you, you could write a book, you could write a magazine article, you, there's many ways to do it. But because the Verdi Requiem was such a popular work, my feeling was, let's perform in the context of the Verdi, of the uh, terrorism concentration camp. Let's perform it, and between the sections, tell the story. Get a couple of actors, we'll, we'll put uh, a video screen in back of the choir, so part of the telling of the story will be these people who sang in the original choir telling their point of view, what, how it was when they learned it, uh, what Schechter was like, what the experience was like, you know, and then we will do the next section of the Verdi Requiem. So it's, a, it's about an hour, 55 minutes altogether. Uh, in which we perform every note of the Verdi Requiem, but between the sections of the piece, we tell the story of how it happened, why it happened, who did it, and the effect it had on the people who sang and the the effect it had people in the audience. So we started performing it um, in 2002 in Portland, Oregon, gave the first two performances, and performance number 49 is coming up in Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina, June 1st. June 1st. And uh, I think it's 8 o'clock in the evening. Uh, 7.30. uh, It's at 7.30. Yeah. Yeah, I was was almost a half hour late. (laughs) So number 49 uh, is going to be right here at the Thomas Wolfe Auditorium. Uh, The woman who is uh, bringing it here, her name is Kim Verhashek. She's a Mm -hmm. Weaverville resident. and she's been working with you and the foundation and Carolina Jews for Justice uh, to bring this program here. Kim's father, 
uh, who's a retired journalist, was one of the 15,000 children who were imprisoned there in Terezin during World War II. Yeah, but one of the few children that survived. I just heard that number recently. 15,000 children went through Terezin. Fewer than 200 survived. That number is a little bit in doubt. I think it could be even fewer than 100. Kim has been dedicated, devoted, in the strength of the project. I mean, she has gotten people interested in it, and she tells the story for us. It's really important. It's a community event, thanks to her and, and people who are working alongside of her and people who have been uh, sponsors of uh, bringing the Defiant Requiem uh, to Asheville. We are very proud. Yes, it's the smallest venue we've had. And believe me, that's just wonderful. We are happy about that, especially because of Kim and her family connection and uh, and, uh, and the fact that her father will be present. Uh, she's bringing him uh, from Florida, I believe, to experience the, the evening. So we, we have a uh, double reason for being great that night, and that is not only the, the audience normally but because of her and her family. So it's a privilege to be able to, to present Defiant Requiem, the concert drama is what, the way we put it. The concert, that's the Verdi Requiem part. The drama, that's the story part. And so through film and actors, um, the whole story will be laid out, uh, and uh, I, I think the audience will, uh, will be very moved and touched by the, the uh, essence of what these Jewish prisoners did using the Catholic liturgy. You know, I once asked Cardinal uh, Timothy Dolan of New York, how did you feel about these Jews borrowing your Catholic uh, Mass um, uh, as, as, as a means of, uh, of uh, nutrition and, 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 uh, and strength in the camp? And he said to me, you got that wrong, Maestro. He said, they didn't borrow it. The the cat the the the, the um, requiem mass originated in, in the Psalms of David. All they did was take it back. It's rightfully theirs. I thought that there was a fact that I didn't know, and um, so it's quite ecumenical, and it has the story of all these hundreds of Jews who joined in harmoniously to learn one of the great compositions in all of music history, and used it for their strength, for their nutrition, for their dedication to the human spirit uh, at, a, at a Nazi concentration camp. Well, I to, would... this day, to this day, it's, even as much time as I spent with this, it started in 2002, as much time as I have spent with this and continue to spend with this, it's still a miracle story to me. And I'm always aware of the privilege I have of presenting it. And it's humbling. It's and, humbling. And it's, it's quite important, quite critical. And I would imagine that for all of the performers, the symphonies that you work with, and here you'll be with the Asheville Symphony, the Asheville Symphony uh, choir will be a part of all of this, you know, bringing our community, our community into your wor- into this big world of honor and privilege uh, is such a gift, Murray, that you're doing all over the world. Well, a lot of people had to agree to do this. The, the symphony people were, were and are 
wonderful. They, they got it. They understand it, and they are a part of it. And the choir and the soloists who are coming here, we're bringing in four extraordinary singers. Um, it'll be so memorable, believe me. And uh, excellent actors. And um, so it is, a, uh, uh, it is a very important evening, not only for the population, uh, the regional population uh, in Asheville, but also for us, for performers. Every time we do it, we are humbled and privileged, and we always do our best. We always give our best. But, you know, when it comes to Defiant Requiem, it goes further than the best. It just goes into the depths of our artistic and, uh, and compassionate uh, souls. We, we give every ounce that we can to our audience so that people will recognize the genius of Raphael Schechter, will recognize him as the, as the great adventurer he was. And in addition to that, uh, people will always think of the Verdi Requiem in the context of the Terrazin concentration camp. Those are the two objectives. Well, Murray, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story, your stories here on Speaking of Travel. I want to remind everybody that... Uh, the performance, A Defiant Requiem, Verdi at Terezin, will be performed in Asheville, North Carolina, at the Thomas Wolfe Auditorium on Saturday, June 1st, 2019, at 7.30. You can find out more information at defiantrequiem.org. You can go to the Thomas Wolfe uh, auditorium website and find out more on tickets. And Murray, thank you so much. I really hope that when you're here in Asheville, we'll have a chance to meet. I'll be there uh, in the audience. And again, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us this incredible story uh, of, you know, I want my audience to to be able to recognize sometimes these random acts, whether it's a random act of picking up a book or even a random act of kindness, can change your life forever. Thank you, Murray. Uh, my pleasure. You know, I just want to say one more thing, Marilyn, and that is you're very kind to me in all the things that you said. I'm merely a messenger of the people who were there. I'm telling their story. That's all it is. So I don't overestimate my role. It's just that I'm in the service of their souls, their spirits. It's their story. And you, by sharing that, bring that spirit to all of us. So thank you, Murray. This is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel here with Murray Sidlin. Remember that Saturday, June 1st, 2019, the Defiant Requiem will be performed at the Asheville uh, Thomas Wolfe Auditorium. Go out, have a random act of kindness. Do something that maybe you've never done before. Sing. Take a walk in nature. Get out and remember how fortunate and lucky you are to be alive, to be here in this beautiful world. And remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 